Thanks, Jimmy, Kathy, for giving me the opportunity. This has been one of those um, sermons that you never really get to a point where you feel like this is it. This is what the Lord is saying to the church. Uh, and, and so we will, we will try and descend that together and, and, and sort of hear together what God is saying to us this morning. Um, I want to locate my reading in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I'll give you a chance to, to, to get to Acts 1. And actually, I think I would, I would like somebody to read for me. Um, verses 1 to 11. Acts 1, verses 1 to 11. Jeremy. <laughs> Shall I stay here? In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Thanks be to God. Thank you. So this is Luke. He is writing his uh, second letter uh, to this friend of his called Theophilus. All right? Um, and... and He's saying, in, in my first book, which is the, the, the gospel according to Luke, in my first book I told you about what Jesus came and, and, and to do on earth and, and the miracles that he performed up until he was taken to heaven. And actually, if you go back to Luke, the very final verses is about Jesus going to heaven. And then he picks it, he is picking it up again in this second letter to now begin to talk about how the church comes into existence, the fulfillment of Jesus' vision uh, of creating a community, a community of his followers who would be his uh, witness bearers in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, Luke does not get into this story up until Acts chapter 16. Right? So, what he's written in, in the gospel according to Luke and what he's writing in this first part of Acts is something that comes out of his own research. He's gone about, spoken to people, gathered the story and put it together. It's only in Acts 16 that he joins Paul um, on the way to Troas 
and then crosses over with him to Philipp, Philippi uh, in, in Macedonia, and, 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 and then he becomes part of the story. But up until, up until then, he is just depending on, on research, on, on, on people's reports. Now, here in Acts 1, we are located somewhere between Easter and Pentecost. Right. This is a. This is a. Within that fifty-day period between Easter and Pentecost. Right. Pentecost itself comes from from a Greek that means fifty. Right. And 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 and. So it, the feast of Pentecost was a was a huge, feast. People would come from all over to come and celebrate. Um, in Jerusalem, and, and that was located 50 days after Passover, right? So it's seven weeks. Now, here in Acts 1, we, we are, if you read the story, we are 40 days after, after Passover, after Easter. Jesus has been crucified, has died, has come back to life, and has been around for 40 days, in which period, he has continued to do miracles and show himself to the disciples and, and, and of course, do many things with them. Um, one of the key events of, of this period is um, when, 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 so Jesus comes back to life, right? Um, the disciples are sort of um, not really sure what's going on. Um, I, I, would, I would think and there's a question here in Acts 1 that, that I think highlights this. Jesus has spent three and a half years working with the disciples, right? This group of 12 men, and probably an extended group of 72, and maybe a wider group of 120 that we see in, in towards the end of Acts 1, going to Acts 2, um, and maybe a group of 500, there's a mention of 500 disciples somewhere. But Jesus has been at the center of this, this, this group of disciples, followers, Taking shape, he has worked with them for three and a half years. Um, among the twelve that are sort of his close friends, there is Peter, James, and John. Those are sort of the the, the inner circle, the, the closest. Peter would be one of the older disciples. John would be one of the younger disciples. Right, Peter. Um, I'll get back to Matthew 16, but, but let me just highlight something. Peter uh, is one of the most outspoken disciples. He, he makes all the mistakes because he speaks quite a lot. Um, in, in Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples. Uh, he actually took them out of, out of Israel, took them on an international trip, so to speak, to Caesarea Philippi, outside, outside Israel, and, and he asks them, who Jesus realizes that his mission is almost accomplished. Right? So he immediately begins to talk about the cross. Right? Because, am I making sense? Right? Now, this, I think, is what discipleship is about. Getting people to a place where they can hear the Father speaking. That's it. Whatever happens after that is between them and the Father. But getting them to a place where they can sit down and hear 
the Spirit of God speaking. That, that is what discipleship is about. So Jesus, once he does that with Peter, realizes, okay, Peter now can hear the Father, can, can tap into the Spirit, can hear the voice of the Spirit. Now we begin to talk about the cross. Let me get them ready, because I will be gone soon. Um, if you read Matthew 16, you realize that once Peter is able to tap into the spirit world, he makes the mistake of not differentiating the voice of the Father from the voice of Satan in, in the spirit world, right? To the point that when Jesus begins to talk about the cross, Peter rebukes Jesus. And Jesus addresses Peter, actually he's addressing Satan, the voice that's speaking through Peter now. It's, Peter is still hearing the Spirit, but he has mixed the frequencies. Right? So Jesus now rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. And, and probably it's not, it's, not Satan who is, it's not Peter who is Satan, but something is speaking through Peter. Right? That's, that's, he's mixed up the frequencies. He is still hearing the Spirit, but he's not able to discern that which he is hearing. Am I making sense? Right? So, um, if, 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 you, if you're taking points, the spirit world is real. And the spirit world speaks. And, and, and our, follow, our followership of Christ, when we follow Christ, it is to a large extent, or probably it is entirely based on our ability to hear what the Spirit is saying. That if we don't connect with the Spirit, we're missing it big time. Right? But as we connect with the Spirit, we also need to be careful. We also need to be discerning because there are many things up there. Right? That we need, to be, we need to be sure what we are saying, what we're hearing comes from God. Am I making sense? Right, so, we move forward. Um, Peter is now holding the keys to the kingdom, right? He, because he, has, he can hear the, the Spirit speaking, he has now the ability to bind things on earth and they'll be bound in heaven, right? He has the power, he's been given the authority. And I do think that that authority is really what makes him Bold enough to stand up in Acts chapter 2 and declare to people gathered in the city and say, this that you're seeing now is that which was prophesied by Joel. They, they fished for a living. And, and, and they, they, they left, that, left their businesses, left their careers, followed Christ, believing that he is the Messiah. He is going to change history. He is going to liberate us from, from, from Roman rule. And, and then the, the Messiah is killed by the Romans on the cross. The story stops making sense. Right? He, we, we, we thought he is going to restore the kingdom. We thought he is going to break us free from the Romans. And here we are, the Messiah has been crucified by the Romans. He's dead. He's come back to life and he doesn't look like he's raising an army to take on the Romans, right? So, Peter one day decides, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm leaving all this. I'm going back fishing. 
And once he says that, the whole team follows him. So they leave Jerusalem. They walk back 100 miles to Galilee and, and, and get their boats back, get on the sea, and, you know, it's, it's done. It's, we tried, we failed. We followed him. He didn't do what we wanted him to do. We're back, just back, back to fishing. And then while they're doing that, Jesus shows up. He's followed them to, to, to Galilee. And, 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 uh, and so he sort of uh, tries to restore Peter, to restore his uh, authority, his confidence. Um, and this is John, John 21, where, where Jesus now asks Peter, by, by the seashore, he says, Peter, do you love me? And, and, and Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Like, leave what you're doing here, right? There's, there's work for you to do. And, and Jesus says again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you, Lord. And Jesus says again, feed my sheep. And he says the third time, Peter, do you love me? And, and when you read that in, in, in Greek, it's, it's funny because Jesus is using the word agape for love. Peter, do you have agape for me, this unconditional God kind of love. Do you love me this much? And, and Peter always goes back to phileo, which is the, the human kind of love. I, I, do, you have, do you have agape love for me? And Peter says, Lord, I have phileo for you. And, 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 and finally, finally, Jesus changes the language, and, 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 and they, they sort of both agree that, yes, Peter loves the Lord, and, and, and Peter gets it. This fishing business is gone. I, I, he takes them out of the sea. Something deeper happening in this story. In that, we do know that the story of the Bible is, is one long story of God's dealing with humanity, right? He starts with, with, with the creation of humanity, then he singles out Abraham and his family and, and, and the nation that comes out of, out of him. As, as a sort of as a working example of God's dealing with humanity, right? And that, that goes on, so it, it shapes the whole of the Old Testament, really. We know that God's hand is in all history. God raises and, and brings down empires and kingdoms. God is at work in all history, and, and all history everywhere, right? But he has singled out Israel as, as sort of his, his garden plot, his, 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 his uh, demonstration plot that, that people can see what the people that have a covenant with their God would look like, right? So in the Old Testament, we have, we have, we have, we have God. Uh, we know that is Trinity. But, but, but to a great extent, we, we, we see the image of God, mostly God as the Father, dealing with, with his people, Israel, right? And, and in dealing with Israel, he's dealing with the nations around Israel. He's raising up Nebuchadnezzar and bringing him down. He raises up this Pharaoh, brings him down. And, and, and all that is happening because God is working with Israel. Right? When we come to the New Testament, that God comes and dwells with us. Right? So he's no longer working from, from a distance. Right? He's no longer just showing up here and George showing up there. And, and he comes and, and, and John 1 says he came, John 1, 14, he came and built a tent in our midst. He came to live with us. He came to eat our food. He came. We actually have a name for him. He's Joshua. Right? 
Of the, that's, that's the Hebrew version of Jesus. He, he came and lived with us. He's Emmanuel. He's, he was here. Right? But, but as Emmanuel, as, as, as Jehoshua, as Jesus, he is also limited. Right? He is working, um, moving up and down the 85 miles between, between Galilee and Jerusalem. Quite a lot. Just up and down and preaching and itinerant evangelists. Um, uh, I do joke sometimes, a single rabbi who has uh, 12 men following him wherever, wherever he's going, it just does not make sense, right? But that's part of the story. Now the story changes here in, 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 at the beginning of Acts. God has been working on this. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not a contingency, but God has been working on this. When we get to this place where God comes down and makes a new, the writer of Hebrews will say, a new and living way for humanity to be in a covenant with God. So in, in the Old Testament, up until as I believe this, right? But, but it's, more than, it's more than, actually you have power. Without plugging in the spirit, we're still, we're still trying to do this thing manually, right? That, that it, it just does not make sense. It is by plugging in into the spirit that life in the Christ becomes possible. Am I making sense? Right. It, it, that's all, right? It's, it's no longer... Here are the rules, follow them. No, it's here is the Spirit. And the Spirit will guide you. And the Spirit will tell you. The Spirit will tell you, that was a bad joke, don't say that again. And, and it's not written anywhere in the law, but you know that the Spirit has spoken. The Spirit, well, the Spirit will tell you, don't wear that thing again. The Spirit will tell you, that kind of music, let it go. The Spirit will speak to you in ways that the law could not. Am I making sense? Without plugging in with the Spirit, we live life that is, uh, we can go back to Matthew 16, it, it, it becomes life that's just dependent on our, our, our thinking, our intelligence. And that is not good enough. You have to be able to hear the voice of the Father. You have to be able... What is God saying here? What is God saying to me? How can I... How can I... How can I hear the voice of the Father? It takes time. It takes discipline. But there is no other way to follow Christ. If... And, and I'm, 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 I'm preaching this. I, I will, so... I started in Acts 1. I went to Matthew 16. I'll finish in Galatians 5. So you, you, you have the lay of the land. But, but the reason I'm saying this is because what Christ has done, especially in pouring out the Spirit, right? I, I did say in the Old Testament we have God God is in heaven, Muslims comes, intervenes here and there, but is working in the background of history, right? In, in the Gospels, we have God who has come 
and is living with us, but is limited by wind. And that wind is available. When, 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 John, when, when John reports the story of Jesus and Nicodemus, he says, it's like, it's available to everyone, everywhere. Now, when, when I speak to Westerners, I, I, I need to cross several barriers before I can communicate this well. Partly because as an African, the fact that there are spirits in this world is, is nothing new. I, this, it's my vernacular language. We grow up, we grow up, we grow up believing that. Right? It's, it's, our world is full of spirits. The Western world, on the other hand, um, somewhere, somehow, along, along the history, we, 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 we tend to not see spirits uh, so much as, as the rest of the world, really. Right? But, and, and I, hope, I, hope, I hope I can convince you, that this kingdom of God that Jesus has initiated, right, in, 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 in what he does in the Gospels, in, in, in what he says in Acts 1, in what happens in Acts 2, is first and foremost a spiritual reality. Right? That, that where God reigns in God's domain, where God is king, the spirit of God has full authority. Right? That without the spirit of God exercising authority, we are in trouble. That's God's kingdom. It's God's kingdom when it comes and confronts the powers, the spiritual powers that want to frustrate God's people. It's God's, God's kingdom at work. When we see the miracles happen, it's God's kingdom at work. It's, and we long for a day in the future when God's kingdom, the spirit of God, will be the only one reigning. But today we live in a world where the Spirit of God is trying so much. Jesus, Jesus, when, when Jesus talks about John in Matthew, he says the kingdom suffers violence. It allows, it allows a violent pressing against the forces that come against us. Right? It suffers violence. You, you have to press hard to, to, to see the kingdom at work. Right? But the kingdom is here. And the kingdom is a spiritual reality. Without... without Without engaging the kingdom as a spiritual reality, we are still stuck. Right? In the kingdom, the Bible says there is righteousness, peace, and joy. Where do you find that? When the spirit of God is in control. Am I making sense? When the spirit of God actually comes in and says, you're talking too much, shut up. Right? When the spirit of God comes and, and, and tells you, Leave what you're doing. I want you to spend some time with me. When the Spirit of God says, I want you to go and lay hands on that person because the kingdom is about to break through in their life. Am I making sense? But the key then is what Paul says to us in Galatians 5. Quite a long story. Paul is, is wrestling with uh, the Galatians. The Galatians, they've been converted to Christianity by, by Paul. And then he, he tends, as he, as he goes to the end of the letter, he finishes and says, our, our own human desires to desire certain things. 
that's, that, that rebellious kingdom causes us to desire things that are against the spirit of God. Am I making sense? Some of the things that we desire is not just because we desire them. It's there's something else that's causing you to desire those things. Shall I say that again? Some of the things that we get addicted to, the things that we love, that we desire, it's not just because, you know, they feel good. It's because there's a spiritual force that's causing us to do those things. Right? And Paul comes in and says, walk in the spirit. And these desires of the flesh will not have control over you. Right? And, and, and just to paint an image, back in the Old Testament, when, when, when the children of Israel moved from Egypt to the promised land, God set up a, a, a worship system, a worship ritual that involved Israel burning animals morning, night, every day for years. Right? Every, you bring a sacrifice. You commit a sin, you bring a sacrifice. And, and, and when that animal is burning on the altar, uh, God smells that, that good smell of burning flesh. Um, it comes God down, but, but it, it also serves times. It allows God to come in and do things for us. But allowing God to come and do life of God, this, this power that has been promised here, right? This, the, even for this to happen, even for Acts 2 to happen, Jesus says, tarry in Jerusalem and pray. And we know that they stay in Jerusalem for 10 days praying, fasting and praying. And, and probably it's through that that, that, that they receive the power and the boldness that allows them to stand up and challenge the very people who had just killed Jesus. Am I making sense? People who had just killed Jesus. Am I making sense? Right? Third, the Spirit of God speaks to us through the Word of God. Again, I, I would say this is easier to preach elsewhere because Bible literacy in the West is, is a big problem. Right? We have many Christians in the West who never read their Bibles at all. Yet you have more Bibles than the rest of us. Right? But it is in spending time with the Word that you can hear the Spirit drop insights, drop wisdom, drop revelations into you. If, if you want to live, walk in the Spirit, you have to spend time listening to God through His Word. Without that, even your hearing will be problematic. I'll finish with this Romans 10 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. Right? The Bible does not say faith comes by hearing the word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Right? It's the word that brings in the ability for you to hear. 
And when you hear, your faith is activated. Am I making sense? When we, when we, when we, when we were talking about Peter in, in Matthew 16, this is, the, this is the place where Jesus calls Peter, Peter, right? Up until this time, he's Simon, right? But Simon really means hearing. Okay, there's a key, serious word play here. Peter, Peter's name means, is Simon, and Simon means hearing. And it's probably because he can hear. Right? That he hears the Spirit speaking. Without the ability to hear, we cannot hear the Spirit. Right? And so, spend time with the Word and prayer. That's how you plug in with the Spirit. Lead a holy life. And then you will see the kingdom come.